Welcome to Cover to Cover, a podcast featuring musical conversations about an album or song which has changed and enhanced someone's life. I'm your host, songwriter Matt Targa. We humans connect with the presence of music in our own unique way, as an artist, a concert goer, through our headphones, or as something that simply lives in our everyday background. Our guest today is someone who comes to us from the Humblestown, Hershey, Pennsylvania area, and who currently resides in Philadelphia after living in Pittsburgh, Chicago, and New York City. She is one Dalla Andrecchio. Dalla is a senior recruiter for a major airline. She enjoys cardio workouts at the gym for stress relief, cooking, and traveling. She is also an actress and plans to jump back into the world of auditions, hopefully sooner rather than later. A recent trip to Grand Junction, Colorado has made her want to spend a lot more time outdoors, and she also enjoys being by the ocean. Dalla's all-time favorite television show is Twin Peaks, the acclaimed and oftentimes perplexing show from the mind of David Lynch. She certainly appreciates the first two seasons based on conversations I've had with her. She and her husband are currently watching Deadwood on HBO. Dalla has decided to center our musical discussion around Fish and their second studio effort, Lawn Boy. This record showcases the band's plethora of influences, which include jazz, funk, and prog rock. Recorded at Archer Studios in Winooski, Vermont, and released on September 21st of 1990 via Elektra Records, it was self-produced by the band and mastered by Dan Archer. Dave The Truth Grippo, a longtime Fish collaborator, makes an appearance on alto saxophone and backing vocals on the tune Split Open and Melt. Without further ado, let's get to know Dalla Andrecchio and Fish's second studio album, Lawn Boy. Dalla, thank you so much for joining us on the program. I first met you what seems like many eons ago when we were working at an amusement park, and uh, I am so glad we could make this happen today. So am I. So am I. I think that must have been 1995, my very first job scooping ice cream at Ben and Jerry's at, at Hershey Park, I think. Yeah, I think I was uh, at that point in time in merchandise working at Trading Post in the Frontier area. Yeah, still one of yeah. my favorite jobs of all time. I mean, what could be better than scooping ice cream with your friends all day long? Nothing, right? You really can't beat that. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you just can't. You can't. It's, that's, it's a great job. All right. Well, uh, let's jump in, shall we? Uh, what compelled you to choose this particular record from Fish? So when you and I decided that we were going to have this conversation and I sat down to think about what I wanted to pick, it actually ended up being a lot harder than I had imagined it would be. Um, to be honest, I think that Lawn Boy was probably the first option that did come to mind, but then there were so many that came after that because there have been, you know, tons of artists and albums that have really made deep, impactful impressions on me. Um, you know, Tori Amos and Portishead and Violent Femmes and the Beatles and, you know, so many others. But when it came down to it, and when I really thought about it, you know, no other music has been such a big part of my life and no other music has consumed so many hours of my life, you know, both as far as listening to it and, and traveling for it. Um, and so when I decided that it was going to be Fish, the album had to be Lawn Boy because that was the very first Fish that I had ever heard. 
And I can distinctly, very distinctly remember the first time that I heard my first fish song. Um, and I don't think I can say that about the others that were on my list. You know, I, I remember vaguely when I started listening to them, but this was a very, very distinct memory for me of the first time that I heard them. Um, and then Lawn Boy led me to my very first fish show in 1996. And then um, after that to, I think, 45 more shows <laughs> um, in 11 <laughs> different states within the next, oh gosh, what, 23 years. Um so, you know, this music has actually been a big part of my life. And, you know, Lawn Boy is what started it all. So had to be Lawn Boy. Who is the vocalist and lead singer for Fish? Vocalist and lead singer is Trey Anastasio. Um, he's also on lead guitar. Um, and then we have uh, Mike Gordon on bass, Paige McConnell on keys, and uh, John Fishman on drums. Can you uh, describe to us exactly uh, where you were when you first heard that first fish song or when you first heard Lawn Boy as a full length record? So that's that's one and the same. Um, the mm -hmm. first fish I heard was Lawn Boy and I listened to the entire CD straight through. So that was that was all at the same point. Um, I was literally standing in the middle of my bedroom uh, in the house that I grew up in, Hummelstown, Pennsylvania. Um, and I can, like I said, very distinctly picture myself <clears throat> standing there, um, actually standing in the middle of my bedroom, staring at the CD player. Very clear memory. So we are talking to my friend Dalla Andrecchio right now on Cover to Cover with Matt Targa, specifically about Fish's second record called Lawn Boy. And uh, Dalla, is this piece of music vastly different from some of their previous work? Or do you think this, this is a continuum of a sound that they've built upon from uh, previous releases? I think probably the latter. Um, so Lawn Boy is their second studio album. And I think I'm, I'm pretty sure that this is the album that actually got them signed with Elektra. I think that it was, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure that it was like self-produced and then Elektra um, pushed it out again after they signed, I'm pretty sure. Um, but Junta, which was the first studio album um, before this one, if I could draw any similarities between the two, I think I would point out that at that point in their career, they were mostly recording music that they had already debuted live at their shows. And some of it they had already been playing, you know, live for years and years. And, you know, fans were already familiar with it. And, and they were already, I think, you know, comfortable with that music. Mm -hmm. And so they were taking these kind of live powerhouse songs and trying to kind of fit them into these studio albums, which, as you know, is a completely different sound um, and, and a completely different energy. So if you fast forward to the next few albums after that, I think that more of that material was kind of born in the studio and then played after the albums were released. Um so I think the first two albums were, were similar in that sense, where we had these giant songs, you know, these these big rock and roll power songs that were kind of condensed to fit into the <clears throat> into the studio format. Whereas moving forward, I think it was kind of the opposite. Mm -hmm. Do you have any favorite tracks on this record and uh, why are they your favorite tracks? Oh, man. That is such a hard question. Um, it's loaded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, 
I don't know. I love squirming coil for, for the guitar and also the, the piano in the middle at the end is great. Um, Reba has kind of an awesome kind of jazzy jam in the middle, which is so much fun. I love, love, love the jazz, uh, elements in this album. I just think they're great. Um, but if I had to pick one, and I kind of think that this is probably an unpopular answer, but if I had to pick one, I think Run Like an Antelope is always just, it's just so great to hear it live. And it has all of this really fun energy to it. And, you know, it always puts everybody in a good mood. And, you know, it just kind of makes me think of summer tour and dancing with my friends and being outside and just really enjoying the music and, and going crazy. Um, and Trey's guitar is just awesome at the climax of that song. It's just freaking incredible. So if I had to pick one, I think that would be it. Yeah. Run like an antelope. There is a lot going on in that track. Mike Gordon's bass, it kind of hops and skips along and it's countering the melody, you know, with Trey's guitar, you know, I, I you know, I, as I was listening back to this track, Dal, I heard some hints of yodeling, which was giving away to like some <laughs> smoother grooves, you know, from, from John Fishman's ride cymbals and, and, you know, Trey's just expanding and, and dancing octaves, you know, just forcing you to be on some sort of high alert. You hear sirens flashing, you know, there's a bastion of chaos, you know, that's sort of looming like large in the background. And, you, you know, when, when I'm listening to some additional I- I- instrumentation, excuse me, um, you know, Mike is doing his darndest to just keep a really level head. Page is, you know, just kind of, you know, adding his sort of like plunky, like jazz piano notes. And then, you know, it just sort of like eases into some very sparse vocals on this track. There's a mention um, of a gentleman named Marco <laughs> Esquandolas. <laughs> Yeah, and and in doing a little bit of digging on this, you know, Mark was actually a band member before John Fishman. He was one of their he was one of Fish's percussionists. Yes, yes, and, I I read about that as well, and that was a big that was a big surprise to me when I was when I was reading about this. I, I had no idea. Um, but you know, honestly. What I also love about this song is that to me, it embodies what this album is about. And, you know, when I first heard this album, I remember the way that I felt and I remember what stood out to me was that it was just kind of this fun, rambunctious, colorful energy um, that I hadn't heard before. You know, I, I, I listened to the dead and I loved it, but I had never heard anything this, this just fun, you know, and, and that's what this song means to me. And that's, I think that's why it would be my favorite. That's what this album is. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're talking to Dala Andrecchio right now on cover to cover with Matt Tarka, specifically the track run like an antelope. And, uh, you know, there are, there are a couple of, you know, really just colorful, well, plenty of colorful elements on, on this whole record. Um, you know, following run like an antelope, we hear a track called lawn boy. And this, I believe is an introduction to the vocal stylings of Paige McConnell, his croonings. And uh, he, you know, his his imagery is very colorful. I mean, he's he's talking about black oleanders surrounded by blues, you know, this, you know, the smooth green organic that, you know, his feet tread upon, you know, there are some, you know, there, there, there's a little bit of innuendo there, you know, for sure. sure. Um, I actually love you know, that song. And, and honestly, I think it's a little bit underrated. <clears throat> you know, I hear that song and I am I'm immediately transported to summer. I am immediately transported outside. And <clears throat> you're right. The visuals are just 
fantastic. And you just kind of want to sit back and relax and, and listen to that absolutely beautiful guitar. I, I love that song. Yeah, you know, it, it definitely takes me, you know, to some sort of like outdoor summer concert. And, you know, specifically, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, some video footage from one of their first festivals, which was, I believe, Clifford mm-hmm, Ball mm-hmm. in upstate mm-hmm. New York. There's a there's a real prominent um, uh, portion. I think it might have been the first night of Clifford Ball where Paige closes the first set and he's just, you know, he's just serenading the crowd for a couple of minutes and they are just giving it right back to him. Just the full, they're giving him the full Monty as much as he's giving it right, you know, right. Yeah. to them. It's just, it's, it's a nice sort of like, it's, it it's just a very nice, uh, just community moment, I think in fish history. Sure. Sure. And you know, his voice certainly isn't anything to write home about, but it's also very pleasant in its own right, you know, and he just, he sings and he's just kind of a person that you want to hang out with. And, you know, he's just, he's just this nice, likable, you know, guy and, and he's singing to you. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, that's, that's one of a, one of the fine moments I think on this particular yeah. record, some other tracks, you know, include my sweet one, which, uh, uh, it, it's, it's interesting. It's kind of sort of a bluegrass acapella kind of low lonesome mm-hmm, sound. Mm-hmm. And, you know, w- when I first heard this, you know, it, it really sounds like the forerunner of what would become, you know, the sound that they were going for with uh scent mm-hmm, of a mule mm-hmm. off the hoist record my, minus banjo in 1994. You know, I, I just had, uh, had not seen that or listen to that side of fish previously. I had never, ever heard any type of bluegrass music ever, even the sound of bluegrass before I heard that song. So, you know, that was, that was something new to me as well. Now today I actually have been exploring uh, bluegrass a little bit. I don't know if you listen to uh, Tyler Childers at all, but um, I've really been into him lately and it's, it's a sound that I really enjoy. But at that time I had never heard anything like that before. I'm going to jot his name down. Very nice. And another track we have on this record is Split Open and Melt. And, uh, you know, it just, the impressions I had was, you know, somebody, you know, waking up after some sort of weird, uh, peculiar trip, you know, which <laughs> sort, of, sort of dovetails nicely with a lot of the interspersing breakdowns that lean kind of in, you know, they have a very sort of acid jazz texture oh, sure. that give away, they give way to this sort of angelic chorus that's, you know, sinking deeper and deeper into the, uh, the metaphorical coral reefs and all of their surroundings, if you will. And, uh, you know, something, you know, just a, a fun little fact here, Split Open and Melt was featured as hoist finale if you know you know that song demand that closes the uh, record yes. hoist that is i didn't realize this by the, and i should have that was a jam that ends demand oh i didn't know that either yeah they they extracted what was uh part of a live recording from april 21st of 1993 and tacked it onto the song so i thought that was kind of cool yeah yeah split open and melt is is crazy. It makes my head go in, in every different way. You know, it has so many different styles within that one song. Um, it's, it's very trippy, but it's also high energy in a way. Um, it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Uh, right after split open and melt, we move forward with the Okipa ceremony. It's a quick little about two minute ditty or instrumental. And it is just, it's full of laughter. It's full of chaos. And, you know, I, 
believe there might have been. Mm, now I'm thinking of the next track, Bathtub Gin. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll wait on that one. What do you think about Okipa Ceremony? Do you think it's... I mean, yeah. I don't want to do, say... Do you think it's, you find it compelling? I, I don't want to <laughs> say it's a throwaway. I don't think anything on this album is a throwaway. It's certainly not one that I play, you know, again and again. Um, it's fun. It's not really one that I pay a whole lot of attention to. Um, but sure, it's fun. It's a little, you know, it's a little ditty, like you said. Yeah, it's, you know, it kind of reminds me a little bit on something that they tried, you know, speaking of Hoist, uh, there's that sort of weird, chaotic instrumental called Riker's Mailbox, which I'm assuming Riker's Mailbox is in reference to mm-hmm. Riker's mm-hmm. Island yep. off of off of New York. Yeah. But um, after Okipa's ceremony, we have Bathtub Gin. A uh, crowd I was going to say just a, a live classic. People lose their minds when this comes on. Yeah. Lots of interesting characters, you know, making soup for the ambassadors and the, the, the ever, ever present question of where is the Joker, you know, and his sad tales and the purple humpback whale, just really, really colorful language, very colorful imagery. Um, there's even a, uh, you know, Paige even quotes a piano riff. Uh, uh, uh yeah. George Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue. And, and. It's a very nifty what you song. said about the Joker and, you know, all those characters, it's something interesting that Fish does. You know, I won't pretend that, you know, they're master lyricists or, or anything like that. I mean, I'm sure there are, are people who would argue with me. I don't find their lyrics to be their, their strong point. I don't listen to Fish for the lyrics. But what they do well, I think, in their lyrics is they do introduce so many interesting characters, you know, even if just for a verse or for a line. You know, there are so many different colorful uh, folks and, and characters and their songs and and this is definitely one of those Mm -hmm. and lots of movement too last but not least on this particular record we close with bouncing around the room it's another another one of my favorite live tracks any opening of a fish set is this is always welcome in my world and i think that there are and i hate to use this term but i think that there are some fish snobs who would disagree with both of us and say oh my gosh i've heard the song eight hundred thousand times I don't want to hear it anymore. But honestly, it, it really is a beautiful song. It, it really is very beautiful. And it's kind of ethereal. Um, and it, it kind of transports you into to a different place. I really like it. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a really it's a beautiful testament to to a relationship, you know, that that's sort of it's sort of kind of like pushes and pulls and you know there's always a sense that both of these characters are are searching for something beautiful if it's together or separate all right well uh last but not least we like to ask all of our guests here on the podcast uh something that relates to cover art and the question goes like this we live in a universe now where information and music can easily be quickly accessed in the palm of our hand or with a click of a few buttons. Even in the 21st century, artwork remains a cornerstone with each newly released single or album. Uh, Dalla, what is conjured up in your mind when you look at this album cover uh, from Fish's second effort, Long so Boy? It's, it's kind of a funny story about why I actually bought that CD in the first place. Um, but, but skipping ahead to me standing there in the, the record store in Harrisburg actually buying it, I remember looking at the cover and thinking, what, what is happening here? What the hell is going on? So it's this bizarre kind of like vacuum lawn mower vacuum hybrid type thing. And it's like buried under this hill of what could be real grass or, or fake grass or whatever the case may be. And then I 
think, and you're testing my memory here, but I think if you flipped the CD around, and I haven't had CDs in probably 20 years, but if you flip the CD around, I think there's John Fishman in, <clears throat> I think it's like a little sarong on the back, all painted in green, holding this weird yes. vacuum hybrid lawnmower thing. And I remember thinking, who are these people? Yeah. Because... <laughs> When I bought the CD, you know, I I bought it for a very specific reason and I didn't know who Fish was. I had never heard of them before. Not not only had I not heard them, I had never heard of them before that day that I bought the CD. So um, I just remember thinking, what in the world is going on here? Um, you know, and I don't think I ever got an explanation of, you know, why Fishman was in a, a sarong, but that is just obviously his personality. And, you know, the more I learned about the band, he loves to, you know, wear dresses and play the vacuum. So it does actually make sense. But me standing there, you know, buying it for, you know, a very specific reason, I didn't know who they were. So when I look at it, I remember just thinking, you know, what, who are these people? What is this person, you know, doused in green paint and what is he doing? He must right, be the exactly. long boy. He must be the long boy. He, mu- he must be. Because you have these sort of, uh, I don't know, inanimate objects that do kind of refer to a couple of, you know, things in the song. I mean, you have a spade, you have a canteen, and you have yep. that squirming yep, coil yep. off to the left. But so once upon a time, you had this on a compact yes. disc. Uh, do you recall if there were, you know, any photos besides fish on the back cover that, um, that you, you know, did you have a poster on your wall once upon a time? Do you, do you recall any, anything within the liner notes? We've, we've covered a lot about liner, liner notes and, and various guests like the truth and, and whatnot, but anything, any other like pieces? You know, I don't remember there being, you know, there might've been trying to recall, there might've been some little drawings. I don't know if that was Lawn Boy. I know one of their CDs, the lining had some very strange little drawings in it. I don't know if that was Lawn Boy or not, but that baby was definitely tacked up on my wall. Definitely. You know, I had that, that blue kind of sticky stuff that you could put on your wall and then take down when you were done with it. I would take all my CD liners <laughs> and tack them up on the wall um, <laughs> for, for albums that I was interested in. And, and that one sure was you know, was a, a lightning bolt for me. So yeah, that, that one, after that day, that very fateful day, um, when I, uh, when I bought that CD because I was going to the show, it, uh, it definitely went up on my wall. Nice. So it definitely transports you back to the era in which, you know, this music that Fish was working on was created that, Sort of early oh my to gosh, absolutely. 100%. Labor. You know, I, I have been listening to, to Lawn Boy today in, in anticipation of our conversation, of course. And, you know, I am I am right back there. I'm 16 years old. I just met a guy and he said, are you going to fish tomorrow? And I was like, sure am. Had never heard of them. Didn't know who they were. I was like, sure, I'll be there. Literally immediately drove to the store, <laughs> bought the CD went home, put it in, was not expecting anything. I wasn't expecting anything. I don't know what I thought they were going to be, but I remember I put that in my CD player and I was shocked. I could not believe what I was hearing. And that was the beginning of the rest of my life. 40, 45, 50 shows left. Exactly. So maybe someday I'll find him and say, thank you for that. You know, um, 
it was certainly a, a very, very eye-opening time for me. Um, and I'm, I'm very thankful that I did put that first CD in because, you know, that, that began a journey of, you know, going all over the country and, you know, um, hearing all this fantastic music and, and meeting people and, and, you know, exploring things. So absolutely, I hear that and I am 16 all over again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Dalla, it's been really a great pleasure to chat with you today. Thank you so very much for coming on the program and uh, you know, sharing this music that you connected with many years ago and it still, you know, affects you in such a positive Yeah, thank you uh, so much for way. having me. I always love talking about fish. All right. Thanks so much to Dalla Andrecchio for being on with us today. For all of you listeners out there, thank you very much. And please remember to hit that subscribe button on that device in which you listen to your favorite podcast, whether it's Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, or TuneIn. Take a moment to tell a friend or family about our show and feel free to drop us a line at hello at cover to cover conversations.com. Please feel free to give us a rating as well when you listen to this program on one of your favorite podcast platforms. Intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett Nicolay at Mixtape Studios in Alexandria, Virginia. And we hope you discovered some new music today, perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song, and shared a good moment with us as we continue to sonically explore a world from cover to cover.